This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com, iTunes, and on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. If you are listening in another part of the country, you may be unfamiliar with the mood, with the energy, the thing that happens in the environment around the Gulf Coast at the beginning of hurricane season. The start of hurricane season brings to mind memories of seasons gone by. If ever so briefly, most of us, when we hear about the start of the season, think about the seasons we've gone through. And for many of us, we just hope that this will be a quiet hurricane season, meaning it doesn't matter how many named storms there are, we just don't want any of them to make landfall. Well, because this is the beginning of the season, I wanted to again talk with Jay Grimes. We kind of got a thing going here with these shows before hurricane season. This will be the third such conversation I have had with Jay on the eve or at the beginning or in, depending on when you're listening to this uh, in the early days of hurricane season and he will be our guest in just a moment looking forward to talking with him about the storm season and a little bit about August of last year and many of you remember we had a flood of epic pr- proportions that was really behind rain that many of us thought was kind of similar to rain we've seen before, but little did we know. And Jay, I'm sure we'll break all of that down as he joins us. He was supposed to be with us in studio and we laugh about what happened. There was a power outage. I think some, something happened with a transformer near my office. And uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's going to have some good lines about that when he joins me in just a moment. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button to the show. You can uh, catch the show every week. Also, The Waiting Room is back with a brand new show. They're talking about postpartum depression and its impact on both mothers and fathers. That's right. You can hear it now. Check out The Waiting Room podcast here at podcast225.com. Thank you so much. Let's get back quickly to Jay Grimes directly after this. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. And now, today's Manners Minute. I've been enjoying our grandson's Little League games. Five-year-old T-ball and eight-year-old machine pitch. The comparison between the two is interesting. In the T-ball game, the batter makes a hit and the whole team scrambles for the ball, running over each other and the ball. Utter chaos. But in the next game, as the batter prepares to hit, the second baseman holds his glove in ready position. The outfielders have their gloves in the air. The infielders have their gloves on the ground. They've learned the first rules, stop the ball and the runner. From chaos to order, as the players learn the rules of the game. The same thing is true in our homes. When rules are put in place and the home team players accept them, 
Order replaces chaos. Rule number one, respect. Make your home a place of peace. Choose respect. Visit hashtag BRRespect at mannersoftheheart.org to join the movement and sign the pledge with respect. Baton Rouge thrives. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Jay Grimes, Chief Meteorologist at WAFB-TV in Baton Rouge. And as we record this conversation, it was going to take place in person, but by, I don't know, some happenstance, we had an electrical issue on this this part of town. And I said, you know, every time the weatherman's around, there's something going on. But luckily, it wasn't storming this time, Jay. Yeah, that's right. And I was just wondering, did, are you sure you paid your electric bill? <laughs> Look, Hiller was just here a moment ago and said the same thing. I said, listen, if, if, cool. me, if me not paying the electric bill stops the uh, traffic light at the corner, I'm a powerful man in Baton Rouge, I'll tell you that. So, well, there you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, look, uh, thanks for having me back again as we uh, step into the uh, beginning of hurricane season. This is the third year in a row, if you're keeping track, Jay, that we have had a pre hurricane season or just at the beginning of hurricane season conversation. And it's interesting because last year was quiet hurricane wise, at least for Louisiana. But we did have a storm that most people would have probably traded for a hurricane based upon the damage it did. Well, that, that's right. And obviously you're talking about August uh, 2016 and yes. the, the mega flood that impacted our area. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we talked about this offline a little bit. And as a weather scientist, as a tropical weather scientist, you would look at that system and say, Boy, that thing certainly looked awfully tropical. And in fact, it, it really was essentially a tropical system. So many of the uh, your listeners are probably thinking, well, if that's the case, why didn't it get a name? And I like to remind people that when we talk about tropical systems and we give them names, there's only one criteria we look at, and that is the wind speed, the peak winds in the center of the storm. And in this case, we had a system that was spinning like a hurricane. It was raining like a hurricane. It impacted us by not moving for two days, but it simply never had the wind. And since it didn't have the wind, it didn't get a name. And since it didn't get a name, it didn't get the, uh, especially the national uh, notoriety, the national exposure that it would have gotten had it just had a, a name added to it. You know, it's it's we were like you said, we were talking about it earlier and just looking back at the damage it caused and the residual damage is almost that of PTSD, because anytime it seems like we get more than 12 or 16 hours worth of rain, people get nervous again. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And and it's not when you say people, it's not just the adults. It's not right. Just the folks that lost property. uh, Right. You know, in my school visits, and I've been up in that area, uh, what I find is that uh, children are maybe in some ways more mentally scarred, more mentally impacted by August than than the adults. And and I think what's happening there is the adults certainly, they've lost everything. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what they're going through. But at least they have some sense that this was just, the wrath of Mother Nature. Kids don't quite get that. They don't fully understand it. And we have to remember that many of those children 
not only did they lose their house and everything that, that was dear to them, but in many cases, then they were displaced from the school that they were used to. So they were getting it at both ends. Well, let's fast forward ahead to this year and hurricane season that's only beginning now. What is the forecast for the 2017 hurricane season? All right, well, let's give the NOAA numbers. Uh, You know, we've talked about this in the past, but there are more and more groups putting out their preseason forecasts now. I, I look at about six or eight of them routinely, but there are now nearly 20 groups that will publish preseason forecasts. And uh, so after a while, you sort of get mind boggled by all the numbers. So if we focus on NOAA, NOAA, which is basically the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center, uh, they put out a forecast that calls for uh, something between 11 and 17 nameable storms this season. Now, again, for most people, you're thinking 11 to 17, that's a pretty big window. But the window is actually even wider than that. And because they put a caveat on that saying that they are 70% confident that it'll be between 11 and 17. So, you know, when you say, well, uh, what does that really mean? Well, it tells me that uh, if you ask for something that was more like 90 or 95% confident, they probably tell you 9 to 19, uh, add two on at each end. And, and, and frankly, that that's well simply said it's almost meaningless a range of numbers like that doesn't mean anything it's and it's scientifically honest so i give them a high five for that hey we have a federal (laughs) agency that's telling us the truth that's right (laughs) but the truth is they don't really know and 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 in the end those numbers really don't matter anyway and i know we've talked about this every time we've met uh, the forecast numbers tell us really virtually nothing about the threat, not just to the Gulf of Mexico, but more importantly, the threat to Louisiana. And so to me, the numbers to, to, to keep in the back of your mind, and these aren't forecast numbers, these are what history tells us. And history tells us that there is roughly a 50-50 chance of some type of tropical system clipping some part of Louisiana in any given year. And that's what you plan for, which means you got to plan every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, and you talked about the big numbers and they could be 17, 18, what have you, but that doesn't always mean landfall because I think last year we had, it was a high number of storms, but we didn't have any that impacted Louisiana directly. So I, I hear what you're saying. Mm. What are the conditions now in the Gulf as the season begins, and what impact will that have on whether we have storms earlier, middle of the season, or later? Uh, it's a good question, especially because uh, uh, most people are aware we had an incredibly warm uh, winter, and what that led to when you know when the land is warm, you got to assume that the water right next to it is fairly warm too. And in fact, the northern portion of the Gulf probably had its warmest winter on record for the period that we have really good water temperature data. And so there were a lot of people, especially in February and March, that were concerned that uh, a near record warm Gulf in the late winter and spring would just translate into a near record warm Gulf 
as we headed into hurricane season. Well, the good news for us is that over the last uh, couple of months, the Gulf has cooled back down. And so right now, temperatures over the most of the Gulf are pretty close to normal. In fact, there are some spots where it's a little cooler than normal. That said, it doesn't matter because about 10 months out of the year, the Gulf is warm enough to support a tropical system if it were to move over it. So when it comes to the Gulf of Mexico, in my view, it's really not about whether the water temperatures are warm enough. They're always warm enough. And sometimes they're more like high test at the gas pump, the 93 octane instead of the 87. But what really drives the activity over the Gulf is whether the atmosphere is going to be conducive to allow storms to develop. So when we look at the atmosphere, what we're really talking about is things like wind shear. And also back in the winter and early spring, most of the uh, long-range uh, tropical pundits were, were, were suggesting that uh, El Nino would emerge in the middle of the summer. And El Nino is where the water temperatures in the Pacific, the Central Pacific, are warmer than normal. For us, the important factor is, is when the Pacific, the Central Pacific, gets warm, the wind shear over the Gulf and the Atlantic tends to pick up, tends to increase. So there was some thought that with an El Nino developing this summer, we would at least inhibit the development of tropical systems. Unfortunately, over the last six to eight weeks, that too has taken a flip-flop. And now the thinking is we'll be lucky if we have a weak El Nino, and we may not even have an El Nino at all. So what has come out of all of that is, and I mentioned a moment ago that we've got you know, now nearly two dozen, uh, more, uh, 20 or more groups that are doing preseason forecasts. Some of those groups start putting their forecasts out in March and April. Yeah. And the early forecasting groups were calling for a season that would be normal or below normal. The latest forecast from NOAA is as that 11 to 17, well, average is 12. So 11 to 17 is basically saying leaning towards an above average, uh, above normal activity. And a lot of those groups that in March and April were saying it looks like it'll be a below normal season have now uh, started to change their tune. So Chances are we're going to see activity here that, you know, 14, 15, 16 storms certainly seems like a, a, a good possibility, even a probability. We had 15 last year. But the big point is, is part of the one you made just a moment ago. It's not how many, it's where. You know, frankly, you and I could care less. If there were 20 storms out over the open Atlantic, that's fine. Got that right. But it's only the ones that, you know, it's the ones that get nearby. Now, last year, we were doubly blessed uh, in, 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 at the expense of others. Uh, Louisiana, for the fourth year in a row, if you take that August storm out of the equation, because it wasn't named, so last year was the fourth consecutive year that Louisiana went scot-free with named storms. However, you may remember Matthew and Otto last year that slammed into the Caribbean and into Central America. Those two storms between them resulted in over 600 fatalities. Wow. And in fact, both of those names were retired just recently because of their uh, their deadly uh, uh, energy. 
Now, now, now this changed the, those tracks a little bit, and suddenly we're singing the blues. Right. I was going to also make mention to the fact that we have already had our first hurricane of the season at Arion or Air, what was the name of the, of the storm we had earlier this year already? Arlene. Arlene. Arlene, okay. a tropical storm. And it wasn't quite a hurricane. Okay. A tropical storm. storm. Okay. But, but a perfect example out in the central Atlantic, half of the people didn't know it was there and the other half have already forgotten mm-hmm. about it. And that's the kind of storms we like to see. The problem also this year is that, and again, these groups, you know, they, they're not exactly reaching for straws, but they're evidence for these long range, and by long range, I'm talking about three to six month tropical forecasts. It is still, it, it's part art, part science, and just a dash of hocus pocus. But in there, the majority of them are thinking that we may have a steering pattern this year that will make the United States more susceptible to, to potential landfalls. And then just to sort of add more numbers, and I know after a while they start to all bleed together, but so we say Louisiana's chance of, of uh, a landfall in any given year is 50-50. Yet we've gone four years without a landfall. Yeah. yeah. You know, one might look at that and go, hmm, does that mean the odds are higher this year? Now, the truth of the matter is, no, the chances are still 50-50. It would be like flipping a penny. What are the chances of it coming up heads? 50-50. And the penny doesn't know that we flipped four heads in a row. <laughs> That's right. So the fifth flip is still 50-50. Right. But the bottom line is, you know, our number is going to come up probably sooner rather than later. If it's not this season, it's certainly going to be in the next one or two. I'm, I'm, In fact, going back 100 years plus, we've never gone five years without a landfall. Wow. Let's hope this is the first time. I'm ready for that. I mean, me too. Listen, what? how often does a name come up again after it has been used? Because I'm looking at the list uh, for 2017, and I see Ophelia, which, and I feel like there was an Ophelia before um that's that's right yeah there are there are six lists okay so they recycle the names every every six years and then then what happens though is you have like last year we had matthew and otto those get retired and then uh uh, a bunch of uh global bigwigs get together and they have (laughs) a a meeting probably at a, a a plush uh tropical island where they sit down and talk about what the new names are going to be. So we, we replaced Matthew and Otto with Martin and Owen. And uh, in in this naming scheme, when they replace, and remember, the, the names are alphabetical. Yes. So when they replace a name, they not only got to replace the name with a, uh, a name that begins with the same uh, letter, but also it has to have the same sort of implied uh, sex, the same gender. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and if you look at those lists, you'll see that the names go male, female, male, female through right, the list. Right. And and for those six lists, six start with female names and six start with male names. 
Well, it's interesting because there is a Jose again this year. It just writes its way. No way, Jose, if a hurricane is, uh, is if, if the name comes <laughs> up. And then there is Katya, which is a computation that Katrina can be derived from. Is that correct? In fact, Katya was Katrina's replacement. Yeah. So, and, uh, and if you look on that list also, there is a Rena. I see that. Which, which replaced Rita. Wow, and Whitney. Well, Whitney is in the uh, is is in the list this year. There's a Philippe, there is a Don, uh, there's a Lee. There's never been a Leroy though. That's interesting. Uh, there's a Gert. That just a, a, a sweet name like Gert just has to be a monstrous storm that's going to be out in the Atlantic somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Sometimes I see those names and I think. The name itself isn't going to instill a whole lot of fear in people. <laughs> no, well, listen. <laughs> you know, Polly just doesn't get me really too concerned. But uh, <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, the, the naming is just uh, to try and help and avoid some confusion, especially when there's maybe, and there have been times where we might have two or even three, occasionally four named storms out there at the same time. So we use the names. I mean, we could just name them one, two, three, four, and five. Right. That's just not, that's not sexy enough. And and what's interesting as you say that is in 2005, almost simultaneously, we had Katrina, then Rita, then Wilma, but I have no recollection of all of the storms carrying the letters of names between Katrina and Rita and Rita and Wilma. Well, and, and, and why would you? I mean, one of the things, by the way, you know, and, and this is something I like when I go out and talk in groups. I like to ask people, what was the third hurricane that hit Louisiana that year? The th- and people go, what? The third hurricane. And oh, you, you, oh, you mean what too? Oh, oh, you mean of the three after Katrina? No, no. There oh, the third? There were... In 2000, there, was a, there were three hurricanes. 2005, obviously dominated by Katrina mm-hmm. and Rita. But most people forget that there was a third hurricane that hit Louisiana that year. The only year on record where Louisiana has been hit by three hurricanes. And well, there was, uh, it, it, was, it was it was Wilma, right? Wasn't it? No, Wilma went into Florida. Now Wilma was uh, Wilma was a monster. Yes. I mean, in fact, Wilma filled the Wilma Gulf filled the Gulf filled, of Mexico in terms of cloud coverage. Yeah, and Wilma ranks as the I think it still ranks as the strongest hurricane ever wow. in the Atlantic on wow. record wow. and uh, and ranks as among the 10 strongest recorded on the planet. Wow. So, you know, that was that was a, a that was an incredible year. You had Wilma, the strongest storm ever, and then Katrina and Rita which were also in the top 10 for the Atlantic. So, here we have, you know, 160 60 years of data and three of the 10 most powerful storms ever come in the same season. I mean, Mm. the the odds of that are just astronomically low. So what was the third storm that hit Louisiana that year? You got the list in front of you? Uh, Well, the sea sea storm. Okay. It was, uh, and, and, and and all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank too. (laughs) Uh, uh, 
Uh, I, it wasn't Chris. Oh boy, this is embarrassing. But, uh, Jay, it was twelve years ago, buddy. Give yourself a little well, bit of. Well, you know, <laughs> you would think with something so strange as that, it would. And I'm just drawing a mental blank here, but uh, it was. And you're, yeah, you're saying was it was. The, it was. Wow, it was Cindy. Cindy, yes, yes. Thank there's you very a, much. But there's a apologies there's a, to the listeners out there. No, but, and, uh, but yeah, isn't Cindy, there? There's a Cindy yeah, and, this and year. And what's interesting. You know, we would all know Cindy had it not been for Katrina and Rita. Right. Those two storms basically just erased our memory banks of this very small, very short-lived uh, hurricane that rolled into the Grand Isle area earlier in the season. Well, you know, there's a Cindy on the list again this year. Sure. And, and the reason for that is that uh, uh, that Cindy in 2005 was especially compared to the other storms that year, was fairly inconsequential. And remember that the retirement of a name is largely, not solely, but largely dependent upon its human impact and not necessarily its Schaffer-Simpson rating, its its scale rating. In other words, a, a Category 1 storm could certainly end up retired were it to do enough damage or produce enough uh, injuries and fatalities. So, and and for us, fortunately, Cindy went into a low population area. Uh, It didn't last very long. It barely, and I mean just barely, made hurricane intensity. But you ask people down there in in that area, and you're going to – People will tell you, oh, yeah, they remember Cindy because it you know, knocked down the power lines. It, it flooded the neighborhood, things like that. So, wow. uh, you know, I, a lot of times our perspective here in Baton Rouge is a little bit filtered compared to what folks who live through the coast have to deal with. It is it is unbelievable to think about. I could sit and listen to you talk about weather. Just, man. Uh, so quickly here, if, if you want people listening to leave with one thought or a couple of thoughts about the hurricane season that is just now beginning. What would that thought or those thoughts be? Okay. Number one, you're adults here. You know what your responsibility is. Get everything in line right now that you think you might need to have in line come August, September, or whenever a storm might appear. And again, I go back to this 50-50 number. You wouldn't, you wouldn't take a risk on anything else if you knew there was a 50-50 chance of it happening. So just go ahead right now and make sure you got your personal, your family, and maybe even your business game plan in order for the hurricane season. What are you going to do? Do you live in a place that you might have to evacuate? Uh, do you have uh, special needs people in your family that might require some consideration about uh, how you're going to handle it should you be out with power for three, five, seven days. So that's number one. You know what you got to do. Just sit down this weekend and think through it once. Make the notes. Make sure you've got the supplies and you're good. The other one, and I, over the years, I've become a stronger and stronger proponent for flood insurance. And, you yes, know, if sir. August doesn't convince you, Uh, I don't know what will, but I I have a a, a quick and easy uh, take-it-at-home quiz that you can do right there in your own living room or in the kitchen. It's a two-question quiz that you can ask yourself an answer to decide whether you should consider 
flood insurance. You ready to go? I am. Question number one, real simple one. Do you live in Louisiana? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Question number two, and this one might be a little tougher for some folks. Okay. Has it ever rained in your backyard? Hmm. The answer would be yes, it, surprisingly. If you can say yes to both <laughs> of those questions, and especially with the August event in the back of your mind, it seems to me that you almost have to consider purchasing flood insurance. Now, I look, I'm a conservative guy, and I'll admit, 400 bucks a year is a lot of money to me, and I'm sure it's a lot of money to all your listeners as well. But when you think about it, a dollar a day to protect your home is not all that much. Right. When you're paying maybe three or four or five dollars a day to insure your car. Right. Right. So there's sort of a, a penny wise, pound foolish game going on there. Man. Now, the bottom line is, you know, hopefully you will never flood. And so you're thinking, well, that's four hundred dollars out the window every year. And I get that. But on the other hand, you're probably also thinking, hopefully I'm not in an automobile accident, but you're paying $1,000, $1,200. Some of the folks are paying 1500 or more a year to drive their car, uh, a car that's worth a tenth of what their home is worth. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, I really think folks that don't have flood insurance really need to give it one more really good, hard think and say, hey, you know what, that is $400 peace of mind. And 400 bucks will cover it for most of your listeners. I think so. And, you know, I went out last year and got it, and I did not have any flood damage, thankfully, knock on, knock on wood. But I went and got flood insurance because, like you said, before August last year, lots of places had never flooded before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I lived just off of river road, East Baton Rouge parish in the Southwest corner of the parish. I had two feet of the Amit river in my street out in front of my house in August. I mean, that's, that's the Amit river 20 miles away from where it is supposed to be. Wow. Uh, and of course it was all backwater. I mean, you know, that, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but the bottom line is I had two feet of water in front of my house and uh, I live on the Western side of East Baton Rouge parish. That is a reflection of what the, um, the, uh, uh, August event was. And I know a lot of people are saying, but wait a minute, that was a thousand year flood. Well, number one, it was a thousand year rain, not a 1000 year flood. Uh-huh. And a half a, a half a dozen different rain scenarios could have produced that same flooding. And that's where in some ways the media has done a poor job of educating the audience. This was not anywhere near a thousand year flood. Now I'm not saying it was a hundred year flood either. I mean, it was exceptionally rare, but you know, we're back to that uh, five uh, heads on the penny here, uh, you know, getting five heads in a row. And that uh, another event like that may not happen in our lifetime. Hopefully it doesn't happen in our kids' lifetime. Right, right. It doesn't have to be that big to be nearly as devastating in the future. Well, 
I mean, always you conduct a master class on this stuff, and we're hoping for a quiet hurricane season. Here's for five in a row for the first time, not having any major storm make landfall or major hurricane make landfall, save that rain event we had last year. Jay, as always, brother, I appreciate you, man. Well, thank you. It is great to do this every year with you, and I look forward to chatting with you again. And maybe in August we'll uh, take a revisit and see where we stand. Well, and not only that, I'm going to want to revisit a year or around that time last year. What have we learned since then, and you know how how are we better prepared for the possibility of something like that happening happening again? Because, like you said, the rain was one thing; the flooding was an entirely different thing. That's exactly right. And, yeah, I'd love to talk about uh, my perspective in August. And uh, I I bet I can stir the pot with some of your (laughs) listeners there. You? I can guarantee it. So, uh, Jay Grimes, Chief Meteorologist at WAFB-TV in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He is the man. Back in just a moment. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. The man can just talk about the weather. He's good at it. And again, we appreciate Jay Grimes being our guest this week on another edition of the Clay Young Show. Our guest on next week's show will be Bishop Charles Wallace, pastor of the Oasis Christian Church in Baton Rouge, and we will talk about unity in the community. Hmm. Pardon the alliteration there, but we will talk about what it takes to get people to at least listen to each other. It's a conversation that has been a long time coming, and he will be in studio with us next week to talk about what we need to do here in Baton Rouge and across the country to deal with some of the divisions that we see. So that's the bottom line, and he'll be back with us on the show, and we're looking forward to that. You guys be safe out there, and thanks again for listening to The Clay Young Show. You can follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR or on Facebook. You can also email me if you have a question or have a guest suggestion. My email address here is clay at podcast225.com. See you next time, folks.
Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.